I'm Rick Cushman, and this episode of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul is sponsored by the Vancouver International Wine Festival and Tourism Vancouver. The festival invites you to head to Canada for a spring vacation in one of the world's most beautiful cities, and it really is, and have a great time around all things wine. It is a really wonderful festival, Rick. It goes from February 24th to March 4th, has all these dinners, big walk-around tastings, lunches, brunches, tutored seminars. A disclaimer here for some folks is this might be a hitch. Uh, Paul will be tutoring some of those seminars. Well, yeah, but Rick's going to be roaming around, too, and you can still have a great time. All you have to do is avoid us. Most people do. So here are a few reasons to go, starting with outstanding wine from 16 countries and all those lunches, brunches, dinners, and tastings. And the festival makes it really easy for you to eat, drink, get tickets, and book hotels. Uh, this year, Rick, the focus is Iberia, Spain, and Portugal. Which I have to reluctantly admit, Paul knows a lot about. Put it in writing. <laughs> but there's more, too. One cool thing would be to check out wines from British Columbia's Okanagan Valley. They aren't just great wines. They're Canadian, so you know they're really friendly. Hey, don't you know? Yes, they are. One good way to visit is to make a weekend of it for March 2nd to 4th. See the cherry blossoms and daffodils or snow in the nearby mountains. And if you want, just stay in the tasting room and look at it all. So come discover some outstanding wine and food in beautiful Vancouver. Listen to Paul or just hang out in the back of the room with me and we'll make fun of him. Hey. That's the Inter Vancouver International Wine Fest. Dates, schedules, and lots more information is at vanwinefest.ca. That's Canada, so .ca. V-A-N Wine Fest. Or just Google Vancouver and Wine Festival, and you'll find it. See you there. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, are we ABC guys? I kind of think so. Are we talking about the wine snobs who say anything but Chardonnay? No, 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 no. I think ABC describes us as always being cool. <laughs> yeah, then I don't think we are ABC guys, Rick. Always boring collaborators. Making progress, okay. getting there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, all right. We'll try not to be too boring, but today we are answering questions about Chardonnay oh, and those see. other ABC people that we don't like. And we're saying Chardonnay was, is, and will continue to be cool despite the snobs. And we know cool. We know cool. Well, all right, we know Chardonnay. Right? <laughs> also today, listeners ask whether flutes are best for sparkling wine, whether it matters what you drink first, beer or wine. And if magnums, you know, those big wine bottles, affect the taste. Mm. Plus, our horrible wine writing cites the Franciscan assemblage. <laughs> and as we, aye, aye, as aye. usual, we'll make fun of wine stops starting with anything but Chardonnay crop. By the way, we are still on Capital Public Radio. Still. Still. Bless those still. patient Nobody's patient noticed. Folks. I think they just don't notice. I, they could be they've moved on to actual th real things that matter. But, um, <laughs> yes. Um, and we also are continue to advertise for what will really be a fun time, despite the fact that you're going to be there, which is that <laughs> Paul uh, Paul will be leading a, a, a wine cruise down the coast of California yep. in July 2018. Yep. Uh, leaving out of San Francisco, they're going to talk wine, drink wine, all about California wine. Uh, Winemaker dinners, or rather wine and food pairing dinners, and educational tastings, and blind tastings, and ask 
me anything and I'll come up with an answer just like this show. Yeah. And the best thing about it is you can drink wine, go on the cruise and not have and to not talk have to, talk to me do. at all. So the place to go for that is winecruisegroup.com, winecruisegroup.com or to our website because we yep. will post a link. Yeah, we got a link. Uh, and so, it's Crystal Cruises. It's a pretty classy operation. Yeah, so, uh, okay. Um, all of that aside, it is, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Chardonnay here. Um, so we're going to start with actually with a couple of questions we got from uh, Angela in Oakland. Hmm. And she wrote, my girlfriends and I all love Chardonnay. Good. When we get together for ladies' night, we always get a bottle of Chardonnay. So I have two questions. Why do so many of them taste so different? Which is a great question. Yes. And I mean, and, and I mean, we generally think, this is her again, I mean, we generally think that they're good, but some are buttery, some are kind of lighter, and there's all different kinds of differences. <laughs> and my other question, this is Angela still is about a couple friends who make fun of our drinking Chardonnay. One dorky friend says, we'll grow out of it. What's with that? Uh, so let's talk the last part first, because that's yeah. our ABC I crowd. wouldn't describe that friend as a dorky. No, she was being nice. She was being kind. Yeah. Because I would say idiot friend. <clears throat> well, or snobby. Yes. Or yeah. uh, words yeah. we won't use on the air, friend. Right. Yeah. That's right. So there is... Well, there's there's lots going on. One, The first part is, uh, you, you hear me say this all the time, where there is a group of cool, quote-unquote, cool kids in the wine business and many other businesses where if it's popular, it must not be good. If it's popular, it can't be good. Right. Yeah. So Chardonnay is the most popular wine in America. The so most, if you like it, therefore, you must not be very cool. The most popular white wine on earth. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, yeah. So, right. And, and I want to address that issue of you will grow out of it. The concept being, of course, that you are somehow behind other people who are drinking wines. And, you know, there's a certain amount of evidence that shows that people who prefer richer, rounder, softer wines actually have more sensitive palates and they don't like wines with higher acidity and more structure because their palates are sensitive enough that they react more strongly to those characters. So the interesting part is it may be that the people who are most snobby about their wine taste who like all those tight, lean, structured wines, in fact, have less sensitive palates than the people who drink white Zinfandel and Chardonnay. And certainly less sensitive souls by making fun of it. By making fun of people. And the other thing is this. We drink wine for pleasure. Whatever reason it is that whatever it is we get out of it, it's like food. You want to enjoy it, and you don't have to progress. There's no requirement that you have to move from chicken to fish to steak to quiche to whatever. Sweetbreads. Sweetbreads. You eventually, Rick, by the time you're fully mature, you'll be eating sweetbreads 24 hours. Yes, there you go. (laughs) Yes, and taking tests, uh, knowing where the sweetbreads came from. That's right. um, And that is also not true about wine. One of the great things about wine is that there's so much to explore. There's a reason everybody makes all those different kinds is because everybody likes something different. And so you have to drink what you drink. But the the first part is also really really, interesting. Yeah, because Chardonnay... Um, there's a. It's called the winemaker's grape. Right, because Chardonnay has, in many ways, a less distinctive flavor on its own than many other grapes. Sauvignon Blanc, Muscat, Riesling all have more inherent, I think, character in the grapes. Chardonnay, you can make it with oak. You can make it without oak. With oak gives it a richer, more vanilla sort of character. Without oak leaves it leaner. And winemakers love falling into a certain kind of style where they make Chardonnay in their style. The reason there's so many different flavors of 
Chardonnay is winemakers love to show off what they think ought to be done with this grape. Or what they like the best or what they think their grapes do best. I mean, there's doesn't, all kinds of things. It doesn't yeah. happen so much with some of the other grapes because some of the other grapes, you know, if you're making a Muscat, there's only so much you can do with a Muscat because it has such a strong character on its well, own. And it's also that because, uh, because of Chardonnay's, I don't want to say lack of character, but but uh, lack of power in its fruit is that so it is it, it does actually whatever all the things that happen to it can really affect sort of the style from the right. from how rich it is in terms right. of the body to how much the flavors pop to how much other things pop. Yep. And so we're just going to go a couple. I mean, you think about all the things. This is really sort of about winemaking, but the things that affect Chardonnay, starting with how ripe it was when you picked it. Right. That's, you know, remember yep. sugar, you, the the all fruit, as it gets ripe, the sugars rise. And in wine, yeast eats sugar and we create alcohol and a couple other byproducts. So, so that sugar matters in terms of the, the richness of the flavors and all the density well, of, the, of the wine. Well, just riper grapes make bigger, yeah. richer wines. If you like bigger, richer wines, you pick the grapes later. If you like lighter, more elegant wines, you pick the grapes a little earlier. And then if, there's, yes. Then so, you've got the oak. Uh, which you just talked about. You're right. right. And that, that also affects whether it's rich or whether it's light and yep. whether you taste the fruit or you get flavors yep. of vanilla mm-hmm. or spice. And then there's butter. There's the butter thing. There's the butter and thing. butter thing is something, and this is, I always like butter, this butter part. It's uh, So this is something that that almost all reds go through, and some whites do, some don't. And it's called malolactic fer- fermentation. I thought we'd never heard of those words on this so, podcast. Yeah, just do it really quick. So mallow is the <laughs> acid in green acid. Lactic, green apples. Green apple, sorry. Lactic is, is milk acids, right? So you right. go from... It, the wine goes through a change. We won't explain the details of it, but it's basically like it's not a fermentation, but it's a reaction. And it goes from the crispness of a green apple acid to the richness the of a milk acid. creaminess of a cheese. And the byproduct, you don't need to know this, but you need to know what it does. The byproduct is something called diacetyl. Diacetyl is what you put into, I can't believe it's not butter, to make it taste like butter. Popcorn. So, and popcorn, movie popcorn. So basically your wine has genuine butter flavoring. So, and if you're having popcorn and you're watching a movie... Chardonnay is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Unless it's sparkling wine, but that's just me. <laughs> and there's other things too. It could be, you know, it could be sitting in barrels. It could be aged in in steel versus but, but oak versus. Getting yeah. back to Angela, it's all yeah. a question of winemakers have a million tools, and Chardonnay is one of those wines where they like to use. Everybody likes to use a separate little combination of tools. Some other wines, not so much. But Chardonnay winemakers really feel free to make exactly the style they like. So for your dorky friend, one of the things you can tell him is, by the way, first off, we have sophisticated palates and you don't. But also, we are drinking many kinds of Chardonnay, many styles of Chardonnay. So we are exploring just like you. Um, there you go. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, I'll take a few more questions here. We are uh, you are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, of course, and you can ask us questions as Angela did by going to rickandpaulwine.com. That is our charming website where you can find out all about Paul's Paul leading a cruise. And and we actually answered Angela's question, which we can't promise we'll do with everyone. Really, Angela. Write this down because it rarely happens. Write this day. Give, give a solid and somewhat <laughs> uh, complete answer. And don't worry. we got more questions coming and we're going to mess them up. So, um, so our next one is from Dana in Sonoma. Wine country again. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> says, we were talking about the saying – oh, this is a good one too. I, I, I like this question. And it, this is actually – 
She says, we're talking about the saying, beer before wine, you'll feel fine. Wine before beer, lots to fear. Is that true? <laughs> you guys seem like you've tried it both ways. <laughs> so there's another, there's another saying, which is exactly backwards. Beer than liquor, never been sicker. Liquor than beer, never fear. Yeah. So, but there are actually, a lot of it is silliness, but there is one thing. Well, there actually, there are two things. You can talk about your thing, and then I'll talk about my thing. I'm going to talk about carbonation. Yeah, I knew you would. And the and the always popular pyloric sphincter muscle. Rick, Rick, you it's know, a family show. You know how I always, yes, this is at the muscle at the top of your intestines and the bottom right. of your stomach. And carbonation actually opens that muscle. It makes it relax. So that's where like uh, champagne as well or sparkling wine, that often sometimes you can get a, a, a quote-unquote faster buzz. Well, uh, it's also because the carbonation allows the, your, your palate actually allows you to absorb some oxygen, uh, alcohol straight into your through your mouth before it even gets to your stomach because of the carbonation. Yeah. So so, uh, so the question is what which one you know the the arguments for these you know also been like just the, the social behavior that goes with it. Um, right. But uh, right. It is the, the this notion of mixing alcohols. That's where I was going. So yeah. yeah. And the the real challenge here is um, I always say it's never the first drink that gets you drunk. It's the fourth or the fifth or the sixth. I would say it's the drink that a friend offers to buy and that you shouldn't have had. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if you're if if you're feeling it enough to question whether you should have another drink, that probably means enough. you should not have had the last drink. We just say Uber or Lyft at that point, right. but yes. Um, but but this idea of mixing drinks is is also one of these. You know, you'll you'll always get six if you mix your alcohol. Well, the problem is. It's hard to keep track of what you're drinking if you're drinking a lot of different stuff. If you're simply having a bottle of wine with dinner with your wife and you watch the level go down and it gets to the point where you usually stop and you usually stop and you feel fine, no problem. But glass of wine, shot of beer, shot of whiskey, another glass of wine, somebody comes over with some bubbly, you have no idea how much you've been drinking or how fast. And it's at this point, you've lost the ability to keep track of that. And that's what hurts. Well, and that's, you know, that was the uh, wine before beer, lost the fear, but it's the exact opposite, liquor than beer, never fear, which is that, um, you know, the idea that if you have something with a little higher alcohol, you'll lose your judgment and then just start drinking like crazy. Right. Um, Rick and, does it with 3.2 beer. Yeah, so. I, I, I no problem, just you know, chugging them, chugging them, chugging them. No, it's all. Uh, uh, oh, so, but the truth of it is, mixing and order don't matter. I mean, matter. order doesn't matter. Yeah, mixing, mixing matters. Doesn't really matter. Only in except volume. that you can't keep track of what you're right. drinking. Yeah, volume is volume. <coughs> Behavior is behavior. But yes, um, so yeah. yeah. Otherwise, uh, otherwise you'll yeah. just feel fine. Yeah, right. breathalyzer. There you go. Guaranteed to work. Uber. <laughs> That's your others. All right. This next one is from Christy in Sacramento. She says, I love wine in the big bottles. They're totally fun. They're great to pour at a party. But I think wine tastes better from them, too, especially older wines. Is there a difference in what goes on? Wow. Well, here's the, here's the legend or here is the tradition, which is that as wine ages in a bottle, it interacts with that tiny little space of air up there by the cork. Big bottles have more wine and Per, per little bit of air. So theoretically, they age a little slower. And plus there's a little oxygen. Go there is a little oxygen going through that cork. Mm, and, theoretically. And even then, it still wouldn't. It, it, the the, the same still, principle it's holds. more wine to yes. oxygen. Right. So they theoretically age a little slower. They taste a little fresher and a little younger in the bigger bottles than they do in the smaller bottles. Right. Um, 
is it is it always obvious and does that happen over four months? No. But over 15 years, it's probably noticeable. Sure. I think there's another element, which is if the wine, particularly in America, if the wine isn't stored, you know, it's quite often stored in an apartment or a closet or something, the bigger bottle will change temperature more slowly because it's got a greater thermal mass. Oh, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Right. Yeah. So a big bottle probably, right. Because we've talked about this before about storing wine, you know, dark, cool, still place. But, you know, the the ideal temperature, 55, 58, something like that. But really anything under 70 or but really even just stable. Right. Not going up and down. Yeah. And and so that big bottle affects that, too. So the answer is it does age a little more gently. It does age a little more gently. It should be a little fresher as it gets older and it should be a little better. Um, Most people wouldn't notice after a few months. But after many years, that's quite possible you would notice. And I just want to put a note out there that it's also just tons of fun at a big party. Yeah, well, then there's that. Open right. a big bottle and pour it, and everybody oohs and ahs because it's a really big bottle. And it might even taste better because everybody's going ooing and ooing. Well, yes, that's it's always the, that's, the case. That's us. They ooh, they awe at us. And... Actually, they ew yeah. and they yeah. at us. That's, that's probably true. Well, speaking <laughs> of ew, um, <laughs> we've got some ew kind of horrible wine writing. Do we have ew wine right. writing? Yep, coming right up. Time for our, our our weekly feature of ooey icky wine writing. <laughs> Definitely not from a big bottle. Excellent. So I have one. Um, it's sort of fun because it's a list. It's out of a list of Chardonnays that this person is recommending. And here's the here is the entire description of this wine. So I mean, there's a, there's 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 been a whole bunch, and this person's helping us decide right. which Chardonnay. Right. And here's how why you should pick this one. Gotcha. Agile, dexterous, and persistent, with apple and pear aromas, and a surprising finish. <laughs> I'm surprised that that was okay, the— so the, yeah. I have no idea what ag- agile and dexterous mean in terms of wine. I do know that persistent means that the finish might be long. Apple and pear is fine, but— Those are, su- and every, every Chardonnay has apple and pear. Pretty much, unless yeah. it has lemon and pear. Yeah. And, and, and then you've got a surprising finish. Which we don't know you what know that what? means. You're describing the wine to me. So don't you think you should eliminate the element of surprise from the finish? Shouldn't you tell me what the finish is like instead of saying— Well, is it surprisingly long, surprisingly short, surprisingly rich, surprisingly thin? Surprisingly surprising... bitter and acrid. Yes. Oh, boy, I'll have two. Dexterous. I think I know what dexterous means. I think that the wine— means wa- left-handed. I think the wine sh- throws with both hands. <laughs> it hits from both sides of the plate. It's a, it's a switch-hitting wine. So you can drink it with yeah. either paw. It's, you know, it's a great wine to have come up in late innings because whatever the reliever is, you can hit from the other side. Of the plate. <laughs> what well, have you got, Rick? Mine is a review. This is those review where they th- the reviewer is trying to throw in information to to, uh, to make you I don't know think that you're smart. He's smart. The wine is dominated by the soil influence that is dominated. Notice the repeat. Dominated, dominated by the Franciscan assemblage marine sedimentary sedimentary materials with some volcanic depository materials. I'm going to finish this in just a second, but I got to go stop. So first off, really, what they're saying is what that actually means is you know the Franciscan assemblage is the plates that crash together on the Pacific coast. On the coast, yeah. So why don't you know? And this, and then there's a volcano. So basically, what they're saying is it's affected by all geography, all, all geology. It's got right. it's got rocks and it's got volcanic. But volcanic materials could it's, be no, no. It's dominated. Dominated. Dominated twice. With, yes. So. 
so, but I like that some volcanic deposits, you know, diamonds come from volcanoes, could be. <laughs> Maybe there's diamonds in your wine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, really long sentence of really long words to say. Nothing. The wine expresses the soil. No, right. they could have just said wine expresses the soil. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's got, yeah, right. But then it's, I'd want to know how. Franciscan assemblage marine sedimentary materials. That's like, it, you know, it's like, it's just adding words because... Well, here's the other side. It, 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 I think it's both funny. It's funny in both of these. They say materials instead of just sediments. Yeah. Sedimentary materials it's is just redundant. a long way of yes. saying sediments. Right. Well, but depository materials. Clearly or, gets yeah. paid by the word. Or, or, or the letter. Something, yeah. So, and then it goes Does on. Does it go on? And then go on to actually help us understand what it tastes like. It shows rich, dark food in the palate. It's full body with polished hands and a long finish. Drinks beautifully now with aeration or sell it for up to 10 plus years. 92 points. Okay. Up to 10 plus years. <laughs> Wait, which one is it? <laughs> yeah, it's either up to 10 years or 10 plus years, but it can't be up to 10 plus. Plus, that, that's, the, that's the same kind of useless, you know, rich dark fruit, full body with polished tannins. They always, and a long finish, always say that. That's every red wine. Right. That right. is Unless every red wine. the finish is surprising. Yeah, right. Right. I want a surprising finish on my next wine. Well, actually, I'm not sure I do. Yes. Well, uh, here's here's a surprise. We're going to take a few more questions. Okay. Good. So, okay, <clears throat> this one is from Leah in Santa Clara. Uh huh. Uh-huh. She says, "I think I read somewhere that flutes aren't really a good way to serve champagne. And I think it was some champagne bigwig who said it. It's true. Is this true? It's actually, true. there was just a, a story just uh, just recently. It was the Krug CEO. Right. But but for years now, the People who make champagne have been saying, and, and in fact, not just been saying it, but when you visited the chateau, they would serve you their bubbly in a basic, very nice white wine glass rather than a flute because the flute's kind of skinny. And if you really want to get the whole bouquet of the wine, it helps to have a little more room in the glass. And fruits don't have a little room even for a nose, let alone bouquet. So, Well, <laughs> as you well know, because you and I were there together in Franciacorta, which is the the finest yes. Italian sparkling wine region, That's we, right. for four days straight, tasted wines, not a single one in a flute. They were all right. in almost Bordeaux style, those sort of big glasses. Yeah. And the idea being that the more you smell, the more you get out of the wine. I and like the quote. That's true of you, Rick, because it, the more you smell, the more you get out of the well, wine. Well, it's the more I smell, then people move away and I get and more wine. And you get more of the wine. Says, I, I want to actually quote, uh, it's uh, Maggie Henriquez. I'm probably saying it wrong because uh-huh. she's French. But the Krug CEO, what she said was, using a flute is like going to a concert with earplugs. Perfect. Yeah, uh, it does. Nice. It does sort of mute it. Yeah. At the same time, we love it. It's beautiful. It's fun. It is beautiful. Yeah, but it, it is, is beautiful. In, at our house, um, we often serve them in white wine glasses. Yeah. Yes. Well, you serve yeah. your wife the wine in a white wine glass, and then no, you I just, just put it in a bucket. You just drink straight yeah, from it's the bottle. Yeah, straight from the bucket. Strong. Uh, the bucket's good because yeah, you put your head in there. Um, <laughs> all right, one more. This is from Tony in Seattle. Great. I was at a brew pub that had wine infused beer. You know, beer. I've been reading about these, by Dear the way, God. Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Is this new? Can you ever have beer infused wine? So let's start with the is this new? Well, actually, let's go with the second part first. The answer is no, you can't have beer infused wine. You cannot have beer infused wine? You can't have anything infused wine. Well, you can, but you cannot call it wine. Right. You have to call it something else. You can call it beer infused wine, but you have to specify that it is not wine. Somewhere, right. because be wine a... can only be made with grapes. Even apple wine or pear wine has to be called 
pair wine right. rather than just yeah, wine. The, the official word is it would be adulterated. And Adul- so that anything Rick, anything you it's add— It's a family show. <laughs> it would be uh, beep-rated. Um, but <laughs> actually— no, I'm no, no, no we, go this, there. We're just we're just causing trouble here. <laughs> so the point is, so they don't, and and in some cases they people do mix them, but in really, but beer on the other hand has a much broader definition. Well, which sort is why of. you can have fruit flavored beers. You can have all sorts of different flavored beers, but because some regions throughout the world have had that tradition, there is of course the classic tradition in Germany that you're only allowed three ingredients in the beer. But can that's, wine be one of them? German wine, no, wine is not one of them. <laughs> Um, You're right. But right? in, in brew pubs, in, certainly in America, um, oh, yeah. you can put in all Raspberry kinds of sherbet yeah. and, yeah, bourbon and just about anything yeah. you want in a beer, they'll figure out a way to put it in there. And I've seen a few. Uh, I haven't tasted any, and I probably ought to, but I, I've, I've been reading stories, and they've been doing this for a couple of years now, you know, as the as the craft well, beer movement and, continues and to And, again, in Europe, there, there's a tradition. Yeah. Of, and actually, to that to that point, you know, ancient Romans added stuff to—everybody added stuff Well, to the things. ancient Romans added stuff to everything because— it spoils so quickly, and they try to mask the taste. That, that it, could be true. It was so bad. Well, speaking of masking the bad taste in your mouth. And spoiling everything. We're going to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> and get, have that bad, t- bad taste go away. <laughs> that is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is the charming Matt Pacini. Thank you, Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their podcast lineup. Their recommended educational that podcast That is us. Lineup. Don't forget, if you'd like to go on a really awesome wine cruise, you can hang out with Paul or not. Uh, in in middle of July, go to winecruisegroup.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you've learned anything today, we hope it's that Chardonnay is for winners, but making fun of Chardonnay, that's for losers. Excellent. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us. Especially us.